Today on the End Sunday Show, I want to just share with you some random thoughts that have been rattling around inside my head. I want to get these out. I want to talk about them and see where this episode goes. So that's what's going to happen now on the End Sunday Show. You're listening to the End Sunday Show. Leaving behind religious obligation for a better expression of Christ, this is the Unsunday Show. Hello, friends. Mikey Adams here with the Unsunday Show. I want to start this episode by, I guess, asking a couple of questions just to get us going, to get our our thoughts on the things that I want to talk about. We're going to cover a few different subjects today as we uh, explore what's been rattling around inside my brain, which could take a while. So let's start off with, let's start off with this. You know, we're in this system of religion, this system of institutional Christianity, institutional church that has been in place for a long time. It has this hierarchical authoritative top-down structure of leaders that we call clergy as opposed to the lowly people in the pew that we call the laity has been with us forever. Most of us grew up in that. I personally didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I became a believer in my senior year of high school. And at that time, of course, this was what was in place. It's what was there. I didn't know any different. I just eventually kind of melded into it. It's kind of like the Borg on Star Trek, where resistance is futile. That was kind of my experience. And so I just kind of got absorbed into the collective and didn't really question it for decades. But not anymore. I'm not in that system anymore. And my eyes have been open to some other truths or to the truth that religion isn't really what Jesus died to give us. I think often of that verse in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Jesus died on the cross, enduring its shame because of the joy that was set before him. So let me start off by asking a question. Is my attending or your attending a Sunday lecture once a week an authentic expression of the kingdom of Christ to the world? And is that the joy that was set before him? In other words, does it bring Jesus joy? Is, that, is it at his heart that we sit quietly within a church service, listening to one person speak, listening to one person give their dialogue, or their monologue, actually, and staring at the back of someone's head that we probably don't know. And then all the while, our minds are on the big game that we're going to watch when we get home or the activity that we've got going on once we get out of this church service. Or maybe it's on the pot roast that's cooking in the crock pot. But my point is, our minds aren't really there. Our minds aren't really focused. We're, we're kind of there because we feel it's a duty that we have to do. But is that the joy that was set before Jesus? Does does he want us 
to sit quietly in a chair or in a pew, staring at the back of someone's head, listening to someone else speak. Is that what this is really about? Is that why he endured the cross? So that you and I could experience that? Or is there something more going on? Is there something more that's available? Is there something more that we should be experiencing? And another part of that question that I just asked is, is this a sufficient or an accurate expression of the kingdom of God in the world? In other words, the ecclesia, the body of Christ, is an expression of the kingdom of God in the world today. And is sitting in a church service, some kind of a religious service, the best expression of the kingdom of God in the world today? So that's another question that I wanted to pose. And is attending a church service where I am muted on purpose, I'm not allowed to speak, I'm not allowed to say anything, I'm not allowed to participate at all unless I'm part of the team, the elite that's up on the platform, is that really the heart of Jesus? Is that what he wants for me? Is that it? Where if I'm not the trained person up front, and by trained I mean they've gone to some kind of theological training or you know, they've signed off on whatever the denomination or the, the tribal uh, doctrine is that we hold to, and they've been accepted into the, uh, into the club, if I'm not a part of that club, if I'm kind of outside of that club, do I even, do I even matter other than my pocketbook, other than, well, you need to give, other than, well, in this religious system, it's important that everyone conforms and that everyone complies with the rules and the regulations. And in fact, if you don't, we're going to kick you out. So is, again, I ask, is that the heart of Jesus? Do you see Jesus in that? I don't. But do you? I don't see him anywhere in that. You know, this hierarchical structure that we have of top-down authority and of, of leaders in authority and, and really within the leadership itself, there's a hierarchy. You know, there's honorific titles that Jesus said don't do, but we don't believe that, so we do it. There's uh, not only honorific titles, but there's layers and levels of hierarchical structure, top-down authority, even within the leadership itself. And this hierarchical structure was in place by the early third century. And when it was put in place, it was put in place by those in authority who had been given authority by others who had been given authority. And it all started, you know, way back when, around 100 AD or so, is when the first seeds of this kind of thinking were really produced. But by the third century, it was pretty much in place. I would say the early part of the third century, so around 200 AD, you know, maybe 225, 250, somewhere in there, it was pretty much in place. And what that did is it muzzled the free-flowing participation that we see in 1 Corinthians 14. And by muzzling that, it crippled the body of Christ. It moved from Jesus being the leader 
of the ecclesia and the Holy Spirit being the one guiding the ecclesia to now a leader or a team of leaders who were in charge and who decided what to do. And so once that was solidly in place, what we see in 1 Corinthians 14 as a free-moving expression of Christ in the world through the functioning of every member of the body of Christ, all of that went away. All of that went away because the hierarchical structure, the, the one bishop or the one pastor or the priest, whatever you want to call them, took over and kind of muscled Jesus out of the way and kind of muscled the Holy Spirit out of the way. And the free-flowing participation that we see in 1 Corinthians 14, which is a new covenant concept, went away. It couldn't happen anymore. And that's the system that is still around us today. It hasn't gone away. In fact, it's gotten worse. But let me remind you of what you already know if you've been listening to this show for any length of time. There are no pastors in the New Testament. There are no priests in the New Testament. Actually, let me define that a little bit better. There are priests in the New Testament, and those priests are all of us. Those priests are every member, every person within the body of Christ. The ecclesia is a kingdom of priests, and we all function as priests. There isn't a priest who is somehow over you and has more authority than you or authority over you, I guess I should say. That doesn't exist. That idea isn't present in the New Testament, in the New Covenant Scriptures. It's not there. It doesn't exist. The word pastor only appears once in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's in the plural. It's never singular. But we don't have any information there, do we? We don't know what that's all about, but that hasn't stopped us because in church history, we've built a kingdom around one word that, that occurred one time in the New Covenant Scriptures without any definition or description. There's also no bishops in the New Covenant Scriptures. They're not there. We don't, we don't know anything about them. They were never addressed. We don't see them functioning. And yet, in our hierarchical systems that are around us today, they are key. These pastors or bishops or priests are key to the whole thing running. And if they don't show up on a Sunday or on a special event or on some sanctioned event, we don't know what to do. We can't proceed. Everything comes to parade rest. Everything comes to a screeching halt because the pastor or the bishop or the priest isn't there. And we don't know what to do when they're not there. And in fact, we're told we can do nothing when they're not there. And we've been told that so long that we actually believe it. So not only are there no pastors in the New Testament and no priests and no bishops, there's also no honorific titles. There's no senior this or senior that. There's no executive this or executive that. It doesn't exist. The body of Christ in the first 100 years of the church, of the ecclesia, had a tremendous impact on society, and there weren't any of these things in place. Were there elders in the church? Of course there were. But when Paul addresses churches in his letters, and there's specific issues that need to be dealt with, 
He doesn't address the leaders. He doesn't address the elders. He addresses the entire ecclesia, the entire assembly. In a couple of his letters, the elders get honorable mention, but they're described as being among the fellowship, among the church, the elders among you. They didn't stand out. When there was an issue facing an assembly and Paul was writing a letter to the assembly, he wrote to the entire assembly. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was free-moving. The Holy Spirit was leading everyone in the assembly. No one had been muted. No one had been silenced. No one had been muzzled. And there was no hierarchy of religious honorific titles. But again, we've been in this system for so long that we don't know how to function outside of the system, do we? We don't know how to be the body of Christ. We just don't. The very thought of allowing the Spirit to direct our meetings scares us. We're afraid of it. It sounds kind of spooky. We're so used to the religious hierarchical system that we're in that we can't function without it. We can't function without being told what to do. It isn't enough to have a leader who is invisible. We have to have a visible leader, much like ancient Israel required. It isn't enough to have the Spirit leading us. It isn't enough to have Christ in us as the hope of glory. We need someone up front telling us what we need to be doing. That's how we function. That's what we're used to doing. We don't know what to do outside of that. Let me read you a quote from a book that I read recently by John Zenz. It's called, Don't Be Called Leaders. And this quote, it's a little bit long. It's not too bad, I guess. But it speaks to this very idea. So let me read this to you. Again, this is John Zenz in his book, Don't Be Called Leaders. And he says this, quote, By 300 AD, this one another gathering was soured by the ascension of leaders who eliminated the freedom of the saints to express Christ. The wells of living water were filled by the bodies of leaders who blocked the flow. It is time for leaders to climb out of the wells and let Christ flow once again. When all people have been used to is traditional church services, it will be a great challenge for those who have been in pulpits and pews to have the Spirit guide them into open gatherings where Christ as dead and raised is all and in all. But the blessings of seeking Him as leader are untold. End of quote. And I agree with that. What I have seen in my reading of church history and in what's going on around me is that the top-down authority structure within our religious systems and our churches, in our organized institutional churches, is in the way. It's a hindrance of the kingdom of God being fully expressed in the world. And quite frankly, it needs to be jettisoned. But then that gets back to my, fra- to my statement a minute ago. We're scared to do that. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do if we all gather together and there's not a pastor up front We don't know what to do if there's not a sermon. It's beyond our comprehension. We we don't know. And yet, when we look in 1 Corinthians 14, we see a free-moving assembly. We see a free-moving body of Christ where every member has the opportunity to function with their spiritual gifts, where Paul said, every one of you has a teaching, every one of you has a song, 
every one of you has a, a prophecy. And then he said, let all things be done. Wow. How does that happen? Well, it seems a little bit scary to us. It's almost like if we were to try that today, we would all get into a room together and we would just kind of mill around bumping into each other and looking at, looking at each other and wondering what to do. Because once again, the church, the institutional church, has trained the ecclesia out of us. We don't know how to function, to truly function and purely function as the body of Christ with the Spirit leading us and with Jesus as the head of his ecclesia. We have substituted Jesus as head of the ecclesia with our leaders, and we've allowed them to convince us that that's necessary and that they are needed in that position in order for the church to function. And I guess on one level, it is necessary for the church to function that way, but it's not necessary for the ecclesia to function that way. It's not necessary for the body of Christ to function that way. It's a hindrance. It's not a help. It has stifled the body of Christ. It hasn't helped the body of Christ. So again, let me rephrase this. Do we, do we honestly think, I'm going to personalize it, do I honestly think that attending a Sunday event and listening to a lecture by one person while being told when to sit, when to stand, when to pray, and when to give my money, while my mind the entire time is on the big game or on the pot roast that's in the crock pot, does that really express the heart of Jesus? Is that really an expression of the kingdom of Christ in the world? Put another way, is that an accurate expression of the kingdom of God in the world? I don't think it is. I think it needs to be jettisoned in favor of a new covenant model of the new covenant model that we see in 1 Corinthians 14 of every member functioning, of every person expressing their gifts and collectively expressing Christ to the world. That's not happening. That can't happen in the existing structure of top-down authority where the body of Christ has been muzzled. Here's another quote from that same book that I want to share with you. Quote, Do you think that the Lord created all the wonders of over 300 billion known galaxies with upwards of 300 billion stars in each of them? And this wondrous planet to sustain life in order that we might sit in rows and stare at the back of someone's head for an hour every week, while one guy pontificates his narrow and limited view of the eternal Christ, week after week, month after month, year after year, and decade after decade? End of quote. Again, I think that's spot on, and I think it's a good question that we need to ask ourselves. But here's the practical side of things. When you start to see this, you can't unsee it. You know too much. As the fog begins to lift, you start to see through the facade of religious conformity. You begin to see through the facade of institutional Christianity, and you can't unsee it. Remember the movie The Matrix? It's like the red pill, and you're Neo, and you've taken the red pill. 
and you can't unsee what you've seen. And so one of the first things that happens to Neo is he's told, welcome to the real world. And so if you're beginning to see this stuff, or maybe you've been seeing it for decades now, welcome to the real world where you can't go back. You can't unsee what you've seen. You see it for what it is. It's a system of conformity that has nothing to do with life in the new covenant. It has nothing to do with the spirit leading you in the ecclesia. In fact, it's a hindrance to that very thing. And it's a product of church history. Church history has given us this. Men have given us this, not the Holy Spirit. And it's not an adequate expression of Christ and his kingdom to the world. It can't be. It's man-centered, it's man-based, and it keeps the new covenant gospel of Jesus veiled. Because in this system, you're not really free, even though the Son of God came to set us free, and whom the Son sets free is truly free. Well, in that system, you're not truly free. Not really. You're maybe free to a point, but then you have to start conforming. You have to start obeying the rules that have been laid out by men who want power and who have been given this false power, and they think that it's real. And they want to keep it, and so they work hard to convince you that they're authentic, that their position is authentic and necessary, and that it's somehow from the Lord, but it's not. And again, I'm not attacking people. I'm addressing the system. The system is faulty. The system is broken. If you're looking for a good podcast that reports the brokenness of the system, I would direct you to the Roy's Report, R-O-Y-S, the Roy's Report with Julie Roy's. That podcast documents things that are going on within this religious system, and it's a broken system. There's no way to escape that view. You can't, it can't be denied. So check that out if you're so inclined. But here's another point in this idea of, you know, the practical side of things. Because you see what's going on, you don't fit in anymore. You don't fit in because you can't fit in. I don't fit in. I spent years behind the scenes, behind closed doors in the leadership capacity in, in several of these systems. And there's a lot that goes on in there that people don't know about that shouldn't be going on in there. And it's a broken system. And because I see it, because I know what's going on, because I've taken that red pill, and I can't unsee it, I don't fit in anymore. And if I try to fit in more, it doesn't work because I'm only going to be allowed to go so far and to do so much in that system before I'm labeled as a troublemaker or I'm labeled as fringe or I'm viewed as dangerous because I see through what's going on. And I'm not saying that in a in a proud sort of way, I'm, I'm just stating the fact that you can't unsee this. Again, it gets back to the red pill. And once you take that red pill, you can't go back. So these are some of my more recent thoughts on what's going on. Again, I know there's some repetition here because I've been talking about a lot of this stuff for a lot of years. But for me, it's getting more urgent. It's getting more urgent to say something the older that I get. Because I don't think that institutional church accurately represents the heart of Jesus. 
just by the way it's set up, just by its structure. Again, I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the system, the system that's got us trapped in it. And for those of you who are beginning to see through the facade or have been seen through the facade for a period of time, welcome to the real world. So that's all I have for you. Thanks for tuning in and for listening to me kind of rant here just on some random thoughts that have been bouncing around in my brain for a while. And I just wanted to talk them out because it's therapeutic for me to sit behind a microphone and to talk and to get this stuff out. So I will let you go for now. And I really appreciate you joining me. And until next time, you all take care. Thank you for joining us on the Unsunday Show. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at unsunday.com.